Hi, I'm Michael Radigan, and this is Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. I am with Kat Silverman and our basically a very dear friend to the pod uh, and basically our unofficial third co-host, Katie Caldwell. Um, you can follow me at Mikey Rads, Kat at Kat M. Silverman, the podcast at Three Cheers for Goal One, the number three and the number one. Uh, you can follow Katie at is it Katie Laura Loris? Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> yes. I never and then that's L-A-U-R-I-S-S. Uh you nailed it. I know I have it on my phone right now. Um and as always, you can follow our wonderful producer Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar. Uh today is a special episode, not only because Katie's with us, but she's also here for our one-year anniversary, kind of, of the start of this podcast. We recorded our podcast. Over one year ago on February 26th, it's March 3rd, so we didn't miss it by too much. So, Kat, I can't believe we made it this far. <laughs> I can't. <Wow>. Believe, <laughs> I can't believe we've had we've had a great, including Katie. We've had a lot of really cool people on that have agreed to come on and talk with us. And uh, I want to, Kat, I just want to thank you for doing this for me. This is one of the uh, handful of positives I have in my life. So this is it's been really cool to have been able to do this for a full year especially how shitty this past year has been yeah that that warms my heart that you call this one of the positives uh like like we said when like we said when uh before we hit record this is like the only thing I've committed to like more consistently and for a longer period of time than this uh is my child and (laughs) I am like obligated to be more consistent with her than I am with anything else um now I'm legally I'm kind of Legally, yeah, Legally. like the government's gonna be really <laughs> mad if I don't. I don't For our listeners, I take very good care of my child. She does. She absolutely does. Izzy's um, been on the pod. <laughs> Izzy has been on the pod. Izzy's been on a lot of pods. If we're being perfectly honest, um, uh, but, Kate, oh, cat, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that's uh that's impressive. I looked back, and uh, it it says a lot about us personality wise that like to figure out when our exact one year anniversary was, I had to scroll down to our first tweet. <laughs> yeah. And cause we missed our anniversary um, on Twitter by like, I don't know how we did that. I don't yeah. know how we missed that. Um, that's why, that's why I never say happy birthday to people by the way. Cause I, I don't remember these things. Um, but yeah, on two twenty six, I, created our Twitter account. We recorded that night. Um, looking at the description for that first episode, it says trade deadline talk uh, against me versus bring me the horizon. And Kat battling getting better recording equipment on her end. Maybe it's episode one, which let's let's take a moment to think about how I used my running headphones, like my yeah. running Bluetooth headphones, thought they'd be good enough and sounded like you dropped me straight down a well for that first episode. And I was calling up from the bottom of a well. I was, so <laughs> I still, and it's so funny. I used like, I think I used GarageBand or something on my Mac. Oh, God to, bless. <laughs> and just uploaded it to, this was before we had a Spotify and just uploaded it to SoundCloud. And then Max, uh, he's one of my if you know he's our producer but he's one of my best friends uh from growing up I've known him for mo- all my life and he's like buddy he's like I will produce this podcast because <laughs> after listening to the first episode he's like you know what I will I will do this for you for free and he's been great so really uh having him be, to be able to churn out all these episodes for us has been very special and he's become friends with Kat as well he's a fellow goalie so 
um, having him on board has been very helpful for us. And on that note, Katie, thank you for being here. How are you? Great. I I thought that I would have been considered a friend of his too. I'm a little. Offended, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you're whatever, it's fine. Uh, you're friends with Max. Um, I apologize. <laughs> this pod has weirdly changed my day to day as well because I think I was one of like your handful. I think I was like episode five or something. It was pretty like early quarantine. You may have been our but, first guest. I think. I, I first guest was Sheldon. Sheldon oh, right. Planes. Sorry. Yes. Yes. And yes. I think you were number two. You must have been. Yes. But what happened for the listeners, they may not realize this, is we started a group chat to get everything put together and settle on a timer, whichever. And that group chat has stayed active almost every day in the last year. Yeah. It went from like, oh yeah, we've never spoken in person, just on Twitter, whichever. Uh, and then we have this group chat and then it just never slowed down for the whole year. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> what I think is even better is that I think we we had you on right as games were getting canceled. And yeah, right. we had you on right after you had reached out and asked if I wanted to help coordinate like a co- like a happy hour or like a coffee hour for people yeah. during the pandemic. And like, for, I think our listeners probably know this, but like, I hate people and I don't like <laughs> reaching out to people. And I, I, I'm deeply uncomfortable, like putting myself out there for people. And so I was like, this is a really sweet invitation, but the thought of like, asking people if they want to come and hang out with me on purpose is like my, (laughs) um, so I think I like, I think you're the only person that I've ever like outwardly turned down for something who I liked as a person. I was like, amazing, but like, I I can't do that. (laughs) What a weird backhanded compliment. I love it (laughs) so much. It was like, it was like, I love her, but I don't know if I could reach out to people like that. Uh, (laughs) And so I was like, but I bet you if we have her on our podcast, that's only three people instead of like 50. And I can Mm -hmm. handle talking to her that way. And I can still talk to her. And so we ended up inviting you on. And now we're friends. Thanks, I think. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a compliment from someone from Schitt's Creek, I feel like. (laughs) It's like a Moira compliment or uh, whatever the daughter's name is. Oh, Alexa. Alexa. Alexa, sorry. Oh, and, and, oh my gosh, sorry. I said Alexa and then my Alexa was. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry, my Alexa started. <laughs> so, usually we have either like her, my child, or Carl, your dog, interrupt the podcast. Yes. I think this is the first time that we've ever had uh, somebody's smart home interrupt the podcast a robot interrupt or to me asking to see carl during the podcast (laughs) like but i'm glad you did i'm glad you invited because if you hadn't have done that i probably would have felt even more intimidated to like ask you to come on the pod because you seem very cool and i'm very yeah yeah we're not cool (laughs) you're very very, cool we're very too uncool people (laughs) Oh, I think that's why I fit in. I think we're three very uncool people that get along really well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And having you on has been a ton of fun too. And just becoming friends, obviously, through the end of the world has been nice. <laughs> well, congrats on one year, guys. Yeah, we didn't die. Happy we're to be alive. <laughs> might I add, today 
is a one year anniversary for us. Um, today is the one year anniversary of us getting our official podcast start from Mike Vale. Um, oh. Because initially I had just taken the actual three cheers for Sweet Revenge. Um, like I'd taken the- uh, The album cover. The, the album cover. Yeah. <laughs> on my phone did like the world's shittiest Photoshop. And so it said My Chemical Romances instead of, it said three cheers for, and then I had like blacked out Sweet Revenge and put Goaltender Interference in like Times New Roman. And Mikey cha- and Mike Phil changed it so that it actually says Mikey and Cats using like the same font that the original album was. And so it actually looks professional and it looks good. And yeah. he sent that to us on March 3rd of 2020. So. Wow. I can't believe that's a year. Wow. Today is March 3rd, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Yeah. We're both over 30 now. This podcast was with us when we turned 30. It's been oh, some of us went into the podcast in our 30s. No, what? <laughs> Get out of here. That's not true. Speaking of people who are in their 30s, though, uh, let's talk a little bit about oh, Beautiful. Oh what a segue. Beautiful. <laughs> we are pros. Are you kidding me? One year in? Like, someone sponsor us already. Jesus mm. Christ. Um, uh, for, our, for our listeners, um, we, we actually just had uh, Corey Crenshaw, another good friend of the podcast, was just over at my house. Um, she got engaged this past weekend to her boyfriend of 10 years. Um, Yay. Which I say, thank you, Scotty, for finally letting me plan a bachelorette party. I've been- Oh, now you're gonna have to plan something. I've been, I've literally been telling her for the last six years that I need her to get married, not because I wanna pressure her into society standards, but like I needed them to get engaged Preach. so I could plan this party. I was yes. like, Scotty, I need Vegas. I need lots of strippers. I can't justify that without a bachelorette party. Please. I was like, just pop the question. Please. No, I with that shitty it. attitude, I can <laughs> justify strippers at any time of my life. I have a child Actually, child. one quick story. All right, let's hear the strippers. Uh, well, uh, I'm ready. a friend of mine, it, it, I, was, I still love the story so much. So him and his group of OG high school friends, they all started slowly getting married and they would, they all live across the country now, but they would get together as a tradition for the bachelor party. There was one of them left. And then he was like three years after the other and they get together and they hadn't spoken in a while. And um, they go, oh, so when's the big day? And he goes, oh no, I'm fucking single. I just, I'm a bachelor. So I wanted to have a bachelor party oh my god (laughs) so they had this gigantic insane party to celebrate him being a bachelor so i think that's That's my next move is i have a bachelorette party for being devastatingly single at 32 so i will get my vaccine soon yes and once i get it i can travel excellent and we can get lots of strippers and now that that we've planned this but yeah, so Corey came over tonight because uh, my four and a half year old went to Lush Cosmetics and picked her out this very cute bath bomb kit uh, as an engagement gift. She like got to go up to the counter, check out herself, like carry the bag out. And she's been like harassing me to have Auntie Corey come over so she could give her her present. And so she came over and so we are starting a little late and I'm starting my coffee for the podcast a little late because I'm perennially tired and uh yeah so as as 
as you guys can see, I'm operating at like a 40% function level right now. So well, you're doing great. I am I am for different purposes because I started drinking wine at like 745, thinking we had an 830 start time. And then it oh, kept okay. getting pushed back. And I'm like, okay, guess I'll just keep drinking wine. Uh, yeah, it's you just gotta keep going. <laughs> It took me three hours to figure out Zoom. Um, I love this for us. So we wanted to talk about Braden Holtby. Yeah, let's talk about uh, that sick segue. Yeah, we're going to talk about my sweet segue. The Canadian division and the Canucks. Let's start with uh, the Canucks, who uh, I don't know. They're really doing me dirty. They're doing me so dirty. Me and Kat both had them making the playoffs. Um, I had them second. I had them second in the North. Did you? I thought you had one. I did. No, no. Goodness. I thought that I, I knew it was a reach pick, but I wanted to make at least one bold prediction. You got to make a reach pick. Pedersen is fun. Yeah. Brock Brock Baser's fun. Yeah. I thought that, I thought that Thatcher Demko was going to, even if he didn't sustain his playoff play, like just be Mm -hmm. competent and forgetting what the rest of their defense looked like. Uh, You know, they, they got rid of Chris Tanev, and I thought that maybe that was okay because they'd have guys like Ali Gialevi stopping in. I I very clearly underestimated a lot of things um, involving Tyler Myers and involving the team. Just not. I don't. I don't know. I feel like even their their good guys are underperforming, and Braden Holtby. It seems like he wants to kill all of them. Um, just based but, on his face, sometimes. <laughs> I yeah, I think we were talking about this in our <laughs> group text. The the look that he shot JT Miller. Yes, yes he, I looked. I at, remember texting you guys, being like, no, it to me. You need to see this." I looked at that. I watched that video, and I was just like, hey, "Yikes!" <laughs> like, if my teammate you know made that face at me, I'd cry. Not because I was scared of him, but because I'd feel so badly sure. that I'd let someone down that egregiously. You know what, though? It's it's an interesting conversation to have now because JT Miller, he did. He had a shit start to the season. He missed a few games in COVID protocol, and then he came back and he wasn't looking quite the same. And it's so interesting how that dynamic has changed a bit because Braden Holtby is one of the big reasons why they're losing right now. And right. I'm a huge Holtby fan. I really, really am. He hasn't played well. He's been in like the bottom 10 in a bunch of different stats. Then he's, he hasn't been super great. And the problem is if you have no depth in front of you, if you have like your bottom six, there's just nothing there. And when your defense is letting you down, you can't afford shitty goaltending. And I think when you look at what happened in the bubble and even the run leading into the bubble, Markstrom got hurt and that was a big blessing for the Canucks in disguise because of the timing with the pause because it gave him time um, to get better but I think we're realizing how many of the Canucks mistakes were masked by Jake Markstrom because a lot of the core of their team is essentially the same Tyler Toffoli was a huge obvious loss um, prioritizing for Tannen over Toffoli is something I will never fully understand. I feel like a lot of Canucks fans have been asking that question for a long time. The fireball offense. Oh, yeah. It should, and, be. It and, should be. It should be. And if you it's check Twitter, it uh, that trends quite a bit. I, I, I Yes, I've mentioned on the show before, I've, I've stumbled yeah. into Canucks Twitter and ran away. Um, oh, it is a burning dumpster fire. It is not always a fun or cute place. Sure. But... The thing is, is like, there have been different 
parts of the team that's operating well at different times. And that just, that doesn't work. That doesn't work when you're in this division and it's such a cool, unique year where, and Kat, it's interesting that you said number two, because a lot of the conversations we were having heading into the season were basically we could see the Canucks finishing anywhere between two and six. And the Leafs of most people had put in their own top tier, which I think we're seeing is very, very real. And so many people were putting the Ottawa Senators in their own tier at the very bottom. Which is look how the Ottawa Senators are playing right now. And that's the thing is we we talked to different people and analysts all across the board had them in between two and six. I had them at number three behind Toronto and and Montreal. And then there was another list that I had done that was a bit different. I had them at four, but it was around the three, four kind of mark because there were a lot of who knows if this comes together and there's momentum and who knows how big of a loss it's going to be with Markstrom turned out to be really, really big, but also just like we're seeing in real time, their absolute lack of depth. Like at the very beginning, when the lotto line was doing nothing at all, you're having someone like a Brandon Sutter step up and score three goals. That's terrific. And that's the thing is everybody talks about to make the playoffs, you need depth scoring we should specify that when we say that we mean we need depth scoring on top of your top six. Right. You don't, and they haven't got that when the lotto line wasn't firing, their bottom six is doing absolutely nothing. Now the lotto line has finally figured it out and you have nothing happening from your bottom nine. Like, I'm sorry, but Jake Vertanen on the second wing isn't the answer. It's not. Well, I thought everyone has always been disappointed in him. Like, throughout his Canucks tenure. Is that fair to say? No, he's the most polarizing figure in Vancouver because nobody is impartial to Jake Vertanen. You either love him, you're on Team Jake, you say he just needs another shot, he needs this and this and this, or you are completely, this is the worst decision they've ever made and blah, blah, blah. And I'm happy you brought up Oli Levycat because that's another big trigger for Canucks is a lot of, so that draft year, I'll never forget. I thought they were going to be getting Pierre-Luc Dubois and they, he went third overall. The Canucks had the fifth pick. And Kachuk fell to the flames at six because Vancouver took Oli Levy at five, who's just gently starting to crack the lineup now. So there are a lot of triggering names on the Canucks, and two of them are... Ulevi's been... He's been a pleasant surprise this season where he looks a lot more NHL-ready than we anticipated. But, he yeah. He got the time that he that he really needed because he, he was going to be a guy who needed a little bit more time and defensemen usually do, but he had injury problems too, that yeah. he had a lot of bad luck. 2016, right? That was yeah. Tough. That was, that was an interesting draft. Cause uh, it was that, that particular draft. Um, that was the one that had that Jesse pull your surprise there. Um, yes. In Arizona, we were watching because to be perfectly honest, we thought that we were getting Ollie Ulevi. Um, oh, yeah. Because because the Coyotes picked seventh. And so right. we honestly thought that it was going to be Ulevi. And then when Vancouver took him, they took him fifth overall. And we were like, mm-hmm. we were like, there's no way that Calgary is going to be stupid enough not to take Kachuk, right? And they weren't. Uh, but we were, we were almost wondering if we were like, oh, well, if Vancouver does this, like, who else is going to do something crazy? And mm-hmm. They ended up getting Keller, who for he saw some consistency issues uh, age-wise. I mean, it's we're five years out from their draft, and he's 
it looks like he's going to be a 50 to 70 point score. I think that's fine. But yeah, I honestly assumed that we were going to be the ones that got him. And so I had yeah. really mentally prepped myself. I was like, you know, he's a couple of years out. This isn't a guy who you're going to insert in the lineup right away. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't get him because you guys did. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because that's, that's who I thought we were going to get. And it ended up being not as good for you guys because obviously there were, there were other more NHL ready talents waiting there, mm. but I have, I have a soft spot for, for Ollie there just because yeah. I, I'd been so prepped for the Coyotes to get him and have him be a mm. couple year out project. But that, that whole Jake Bertanen situation, I think, and you said he's so polarizing and mm-hmm. through some tragic misfortune, not that I don't love Canucks fans, but there is no fan base that I have more connections to than the Canucks fan base somehow bizarrely. And so I get all this Canucks talk on my timeline. And I feel like if the team hadn't made such egregious signing errors with Tyler Myers and with some of the other, their entire bottom six, even Brandon Sutter. Oh yeah. Erickson. Louis Erickson. Can we bring that name up for a second? You don't need Jay Beagle. They they'd have more room to not, because I feel like Jake Bertanen needed to be a little bit more babied, um, needed to be eased into. Oh, interesting. And he probably, because I think he got babied in the sense that he wasn't just immediately kicked out. But yes. I, I think he, they just kept trying to force him into this top six role that I don't think he necessarily fits in because their bottom six is made up of these albatross contracts. And they, they could have had both him and Tyler Toffoli mm-hmm. if they hadn't have made so many mistakes before that. So it's, it's not his fault. And I, I get the people who <laughs> defend him against the ire, but given the contracts that they couldn't get rid of keeping on to him when you have all that other money, that's where it, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's a little inexcusable. It's, it's crazy to see, like we, we see what just happened with the Montreal Canadians, right? Like looking, we're looking at the North division today. They fired Stefan Waite, who is one of the best goaltending coaches the so, league has ever seen. What, He's truly revolutionary. So, I was going to bring that up. So stupid. They fired him. I, I don't care if they fire him. You know, that sometimes you have it to, happens. you have to make a change of pace somewhere along the way, but they fired him in the middle of a game without yeah. telling Kerry Price that they were doing it. Moved Sean Burke, who has been a scout with them and seemed the last time I talked to him here in Arizona, it seemed like he had no interest in going back into coaching, which he's now having to do because they don't have a coach there. He's their director of goaltending with no goalie coach. Uh, he's He hasn't even been scouting goalies the last three to four years. I asked him one time what his thoughts were on a certain goalie. And he said, I can give you what I have kind of seen, but I'm not our, our goalie scout. We have a different guy designated for goalie scouts. I watch players. And I just happen to, if I notice something about a goalie, I file it in my mind, but that's not my job. So he hasn't even been scouting goalies and they fire their goalie coach in the middle of the game. Oh. They fired everyone else. Somehow Mark Bergevin, like, I guess is never being fired. I don't know how that's working, but well, I mean, how dramatic has Montreal been? Yeah, like it's much. like they that's, can't go one week in the so, season without headlining. That's so extra. They're so messy. They're messy so bitches that one drop. They're so messy, so messy, and yet 
the Canucks, who could have made, I would argue, some of the overhauls that Montreal has made, yeah. haven't done anything. And well, I, I would rather see something with Jim Benning, I think. Absolutely. I mean, overdue there, but they haven't done anything. I mean, they truly the, they haven't done anything. It's complicated, though, because of what they have coming up. Like that's been the big problem for Vancouver is you have Pedersen and Hughes contracts coming have, up and those back. need to, yeah, they need to absolutely prioritize those situations, which I understand. I would always prioritize those two players over anyone else. Would but, you prioritize, would you let Jim Benning prioritize those two though? Like, would you let him no, no, be the one who's negotiating those? If I those- wouldn't solely because the problem is why they couldn't keep Toffoli, why they couldn't sign Markstrom, like all of these important pieces that they ended up losing, even like a Troy Stetcher, a Josh Levo, like pieces that people don't think were a big part of the team. Like we're seeing how little they have without them. It's crazy. But the thing is, is all of the mistakes that he had made beforehand led to this moment where all of a sudden you're at this standstill where you're seeing the team start to spiral the drain in a season where you think you're carrying over a lot of the momentum from last year. And then you look at what's coming up for them and you go, holy shit, because yes, they're having a hell of a time right now, putting a good product on the ice. And sure, you can have all the moral victories you want the last, however many games, the, the big theme is, Oh, it was a moral victory. They played well. They like, since the second game against Toronto forward, for the most part, they've played well and they can't string together. They haven't won back to back since January. You need in a short season, all of February. They didn't what you need. You, yeah. need to, you need to collect. Like, this is what Barry Trot says. You need to collect mm-hmm. like when you have a bunch of games in a week, you need to collect five to six points. A week. You have no choice. You have to. You're playing every and in such division. a division. You mm-hmm. need. What's you need- crazy is is people want the Coyotes to fire Rick Tockett. They want him gone. They want him out. And the Coyotes are currently, when we look at the standings league wide, the Coyotes are in 21st. The Canucks are in 23rd. Based on points, they're only a point ahead of the Canucks. But they've played five fewer games. Why have the Canucks played so many so many games? They the thing they is, is and it's, it's not an schedule, excuse. Right? It's not an excuse, but they've been railed by their schedule so far. Like they were just one of the teams that the way the travel worked out, they got super screwed with their schedule. Yeah, which. Like I said, not an excuse because there are going to yeah. be teams, especially that missed a bunch of games with COVID, that are still going to have to make up these games. So you look at any teams that have missed time. Like this is the Canucks not missing any time. That's oh, just yeah. the way the schedule was, which teams mm-hmm. are going to have different periods in their season where they, they're a lot more condensed. I'm looking at teams like Dallas, Nashville, Carolina, these teams that have missed games. Them. Oh, that's going to oh, hurt Dallas. Gonna hurt them. What are they going to like? How many back-to-backs are they going to have there? So you bring this, uh, you bring up the cancellation thing, which is absolutely true. Yeah. The North has not had any games canceled, knock on wood either. So they could, <laughs> Because they, we live in Canada where COVID exists. <laughs> right. We do things correctly. We understand that it's a threat to our society no, and we I, conduct I, ourselves I, accordingly. I absolutely <laughs> agree. I'm just saying, so they've really, they've truly been, railroaded by their schedule a little bit yeah well in in fairness so the coyotes are one of the few teams that hasn't had any missed game time because they had that really fucky situation pardon my french where they essentially the the league said oh well you guys aren't able to play colorado 
you guys aren't able to play. I think they weren't able to play Vegas. Um, oh, well, the Blues aren't able to play Minnesota or Colorado or Vegas. So why don't you guys just stay together and play 15,000 games against each other? Yeah, it was like seven games. So, so they, they didn't end up missing any time. Like other teams had to sit there and get the rest from the protocol. And the Coyotes, the league just kept saying, oh, well, your game got canceled. So we're going to reschedule another game against the Blues. <laughs> And so they just kept adding more games against the St. Louis fucking Blues over and over and over. And so they, like Vancouver had a weirdly packed schedule. And like you said, it, mm-hmm. it kind of screwed them a little bit. But people want the Coyotes coach fired. And based on, like they've had a few games where offensively they haven't been consistent. But they haven't gotten railroaded in more than, I'd say, probably two games, maybe three where they've gotten like just steamrolled and those three games, the fans were like, I've had enough. That's mm-hmm. too much. Fire the coach. And it just, it, you hear about these, these moral victories for the Canucks and I, to an extent I get it, but how this was supposed to be a playoff year for them. Was it not? Am I, am I missing something with where they, I thought that they assumed that they had taken a step at least into staying in that wild card contention. I assumed that they were mm-hmm. firmly in that competitive realm. And it's like all that momentum they had last year, they just they just lost it to start the season. And I don't I don't yeah. understand it. It's a really interesting question because so many people there have been a weird group of people that have been calling for Travis Green's head, but for the most part, people aren't because they understand like something is just off this season. And what Travis Green did with those guys in the bubble, like he's a true players coach. And I don't think that letting go of Travis Green is the solution that fires up your team. Just like I don't think that firing Benning would necessarily have a direct impact on the play of the team like people weirdly do. That doesn't like that's not a thing that exists in a locker room where the the GM goes and then everybody sits around and has a big fire up speech and all of a sudden you want to play for the new GM. Like that that's just not the reality of how hockey players think in my opinion anyways. But the conversation I, I going almost in, wonder if that's not the case with them though based on we've seen so normally I would I would agree with that but looking at the guys who have had to leave because the team hasn't had money for them Mm -hmm. do you think that factors into it for them the fact that the GM just keeps having to let their the wrong teammates go like they keep having I think talent come in and then they Mm -hmm. keep having to watch talent walk back out I think that's a really good point and it does impact it, but not in a direct way that sometimes you see a situation where the coach is fired and someone new comes in and freshens it up and it completely changes the play on the ice. I think Kat, that's a really good point that it does have an impact on how the players view themselves and how they fit into this franchise and how seriously it's being taken and whichever. But in terms of like, like we've seen it in the NHL before where a new coach comes in and it truly does turn the team around. Like a St. Louis was, a situation like that they can where you saw a pretty (laughs) exactly right but yeah in terms of expectations going into the season it was tough losing to Foley it was tough losing Markstrom but the and then Tanev was a big one but then you you look at it and you could make a case for otherwise that it was you could easily look at it and go okay but you're bringing in Nate Schmidt and I was I said on the radio at the beginning or before the season Nate Schmidt is arguably better of a player than Chris Tanev and it took him a while to fit in but he's finally started to string it together a bit but 
the thing is, is there's just something broken with the team this season. And it was always, they were never going to be a playoff lock simply because the playoff formula is so different this season with the divisions and it's a pretty competitive division, but then it's also pretty wide open. Like my expectation going in was the goaltending was kind of hit or miss across the division. And it was going to be really, really offense heavy, which it has been for the most part. And looking at Vancouver, it was a situation where you could go, okay, I don't think Holtby is Markstrom. And obviously he's proven that he's not, but I think it was really beneficial to have two goalies in a season where you're going to be playing way more back-to-backs than usual. So I was looking at Vancouver for goaltending and I was looking at Montreal having Jake Allen and Carey Price. Yeah. So there was so many cases to be made of them fitting into a playoff spot. The lotto line was super, super amazing last season. Quinn Hughes was playing out of his mind and like a player like Quinn Hughes, I think we're seeing how much he needed Chris Tanev. Because sure, he's firing offensively, but there have been a lot of moments where he gets caught and he doesn't do his work defensively, which I'm sorry, you're a defenseman. Yeah. And and it's just the team falls apart because of it. They start losing 7-1, 7-2. Like it's just things have fallen apart in such a bad way. And I just feel like when the guys had the bubble, there was something really, really, really special about that group. You're hanging out with all of your buds. Like not everybody had kids. Like it's a pretty young group and everybody's in the bubble playing video games or whichever. Like this season is just so, so different where they got off to a God awful start. And then you don't have those moments where you can all go blow off steam, go for a couple drinks or whatever. Like things are so secluded with the bubble and there are guys that are kind of trying to fit in. Like we talked about that on ice animosity with Braden Holby and JT Miller, which like, yes, I love fiery competitive of guys that will call each other out and keep them accountable but I like when you have the time to offset that with bonding and uniting as a team right and yeah. I don't know I, if they necessarily matter. had that. that that matters and br- bringing you back I mean you said looking into the season it was going to be offense heavy and that you know they have uh Holty what's their backup name? I was uh Demko Thatcher actually so Thatcher Demko is probably is technically their starter now He's starting now but you that was the that was the tandem going into the season in a very yeah. Thatcher heavy, Demko and Braden Holby a lot of games to be played in a short amount of time so it's good to have both mm-hmm. those boys and I've I honestly thought I'm like okay now looking at their defense you mentioned Nate Schmidt and then you obviously have Quinn Hughes and then they signed Travis Hamannick who I I is I think a solid a pretty solid defenseman and then he's just been hurt for them and yeah. then Tyler Myers has just I mean he he has always not been great, but he is just an anchor, I feel like, on that defense. And he's yeah. just like the penalties he's taking. The penalties. It's just like it's just there are so many moments where he does something and already Canucks fans are like, oh, Tyler Myers. There you go again. He's been with the team not long enough where you should be able to roll your eyes yeah. because he he's like, <laughs> like he it just Tyler Myers is someone that he shows flashes of why he's there and whichever but there are a lot of moments where everybody's kind of rolling their eyes going like what are we doing man and the thing is if they had good defense outside of him then it takes off the pressure then it's okay if he's on the third pairing right and if you just you can bury him a little bit and you can bury him a little bit it's when you have no one around you and it's one thing if like your offense is lighting it up and your defense doesn't need to be so great, but I'm sorry. You shouldn't have Niels Hoaglander on your second line. Yeah. He's amazing. He's been a wonderful, bright surprise. And it's a moment where you look at them and they're scouting and their system and you go, okay, they've 
done it again. And we've talked about the mistakes that Benning has made, and I'm not crediting him for that, but they did it again. Niels Hoaglander looks sensational for a rookie, but he should be on the third or fourth line. It's that amount of pressure shouldn't be on him that he shouldn't be with Bo Horvat on the second line. He's like, it's forcing him to play over his head a little bit. Or you can even have him on a top line, but taking sheltered starts, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're only for those sheltered shifts with the talented guys, but not, not every, every shift rotate someone else in there, give them. And that's, or if the reason he's on the tops or on the second line is because you have more of your top level depth spread out on the lower lines, right. that would make sense to throw him up in the second line. But the reason he's there is strictly out of desperation, yeah, not out of Travis Green being smart. And I'm not, that's not a knock on Travis Green. No, that's on what the organization that's a knock has on given the roster, him to yeah. deal with. That's yeah, how the roster exactly. It doesn't help though. Also, just like I'm sure for morale, you start off the season and then you have fucking Tyler Toffoli lighting you up for mm-hmm. a million goals in two games. Eight. Like, eight, yeah, eight goals and and how I think it was eight. it was something absurd. And it's like, yeah, this is and it's like you, this is the guy you let let walk, and that has to be deflating for obviously for the fan base, but maybe for the team as well. Like this guy here just. Uh, out within the bubble and he, now he's lighting you up for, you know, however many goals it has to suck. So, I mean, yep. it, I think it's it, like, like you said, like these guys, they play and then they go home and they have to sit in their hotel and can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Can't go, go grab dinner together or whatever. I'm sure like the most bonding time they have is on the airplane probably. And probably, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I would point. guess, but mm-hmm. so it's, I mean, I, I was going to say they're not like so far out of it, but when you look at those 26 games played and then Montreal's in the last playoff spot with 21 games played, it's, they have so much ground to cover. And when you start, look at it by win percentage, they do yeah. have a lot of ground to cover. And that's, mm-hmm. that's yeah, where the points alone yeah. is unfortunately misleading. And that's, and yeah. I, Katie, I like what you said there about, you know, even though Jim Benning has done other things wrong. And I think that's, what's so frustrating. He finds guys like Niels Hoglander and he, mm-hmm. he would make such a good director of amateur scouting. If he was yes. running their draft and running their amateur scouting mm-hmm. brilliant. Cause he's good. He finds good young guys because he's not purely a hockey guy, right? Like he's not one of those who just looks for, looks for big and looks for, Oh, this guy's got pedigree. Like he looks for, the right things and mm-hmm. he finds the right players but then he just it's like he's very smart at that and then he doesn't really understand the rest of it and that's so frustrating well and just the lack of accountability I don't know if this is something yeah. that people realize Benning hasn't spoken publicly since the first day of training camp yeah that's no good he hasn't spoken and people keep calling out and saying like is it going to be today? Like it's got to be. And every day that passes by, that is such a bad. Keep saying like it's got to be today. And I was listening to the VanCast with Drancer and JPat today, and they were talking about that. And they said basically today was like your window where yes, it sucks, but if Benning comes out and if he's speaking openly and making a statement the day that you play the Maple Leafs, you don't want that national spotlight on you. You think Saturday's the day hockey night in Canada day. Like it's just, there's a time and a place where eventually you need to come out and you need to say something, you owe it to your fans. And it just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. And I think people are just so frustrated with that ownership. Hasn't said anything. 
That's it's such a Aquilini. Such he had the big Twitter thing that happened, and then the team miraculously turned around, and then they won four games in a row. Well, that didn't age well, did it? (laughs) Well, what it's also kind of funny, just like kind of shifting to the division as a whole a little bit. The Senators are like three points behind them. With it's insane. It's well, unbelievable. And you know what? I secretly kind of love that for them because every single one of us going into the season put them in their own tier. Dead last. We put them in the basement where it was almost a running joke on the radio, on Twitter, whatever we were doing. It was okay, like one to six up for debate. And then number seven, like Ottawa's in their own division. Are they? They yeah, because they're sure beating the hell out of a lot of teams. So I'm torn on that though. I'm torn on that because. They're winning games right now with an adrenaline-driven backup, backup, backup goalie. And that's, once again, it's, I'm happy for them right now because, God, they could use some, and it's that, that fine balance, right? You can't, mm-hmm. you can't expect young guys to develop when all they do is not just lose, but get, like, demolished, yep. which is for a while, like, Quite frankly, that's what they were doing. I calculated, like, I think it was two weeks into the season, based on the goal differential that they had, almost like 10 games into the season. It's not good, but based on the goal differential that they had over a 56-game season, they were set to have, like, a minus 221 goal differential. (laughs) And that wasn't in the first week. That wasn't in the first week of the season. That was, like, 10 or 15 games in. And I was like, this... Like what? Looking at it, I compared it to the 2014-15 Buffalo Sabres. I compared it to the mm-hmm. 2016-17 Colorado Avalanche. And they were so bad that they were double outpacing what those two teams Didn't had they- done. They were outpacing what the Oilers have done the last handful of years. They were outpacing what Detroit did last year. They were outpacing Detroit this year. Yeah. It was awful. And that's not good for... Uh, Oh, what's his name? Their backup goalie, whose name I've completely forgotten. But it's also not good for Matt Murray, who they just signed to an albatross contract. But looking at them winning now, they don't have a good team. Like, they don't. No. They have Brady Kachuk. They have Daddy off. And they have, have, uh, who's their captain? Um, Daddy off. (laughs) (laughs) uh who is have that guy? that defender uh is it i'm Chabot? really stupid with captaincy in the nhl i've given up a, on remembering uh, is it thomas chabot um oh yes i think so and uh so they have him he's good they have brady kachuk he's good they have that german kid um that played in the world juniors uh, Stutzla. 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 but they don't have a good roster and no. i don't want them to play themselves out of getting at least a reasonable draft pick because oh, I, I feel like that. I don't team, think that will be a problem. I really don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. And I also don't want them to park Matt Murray's butt on the bench when quite frankly, they signed him for what the next four years, the next five years, six, I think it was six or five. Is it five six? Or six. I could be wrong. What? I could be wrong. That's it, so bad. They brought him on as a reclamation project. He looked like, pardon my French, dog poop. The first like five or six games he played. (laughs) He looked so 
not just bad, he didn't look confident. He looked like he wasn't sure mm. what was going on. He looked like he wasn't ready to go. And I they they currently have Joey Decord playing. Four years. Him. I apologize. It's four years. Four years. Okay. Okay. It was like six years for that <laughs> in this economy. <laughs> oh God. Did Markstrom get what? six years? Markstrom got six years. Okay. Yeah, he got six by six. The goalie carousel confused me. He got six by six. Yeah. But Joey Decord looked good but athletic in college. Like not mm. athletic in the, oh, he knows how to move, but he was very reactionary. His reads weren't amazing, but he had really great agility and really great speed and managed to make some of those desperation saves that when the team's kind of chaotic and he's running on adrenaline, like that works, but eventually he's going to fatigue and his technique's going to have to catch up. And if they just keep playing him and they ignore Matt Murray, they ignore their number two, whose name for Hogberg. Hogberg, Marcus Hogberg. There we go. I I don't know. I I'd rather see them rotating their goalies and taking some of those L's, right? Like toss those L's, but give everyone a rest. Don't treat it like, oh, we started winning. We're gonna keep playing the guy who wins, run him into the ground, then switch back to another one. Cause that's what Chicago is doing right now, too. That's a mm. like I know that's below the border, and you haven't watched a ton of those games that aren't in the north. But Chicago's no. basically <laughs> Chicago's Chicago basically started their season with Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban. Both of them played very poorly in the first four games of the season. Because they played so, like the lightning, right? Like right off the bat. I think they had to play yeah, the yeah, they well. tough. And it was hard. And both of them posted very poor save percentages. Both of them allowed, a, I think, four or five goals apiece. And so they brought in Kevin Lincoln, who was their number three. He won a game. So they just kept playing him until he got hurt. And then they brought Malcolm Subban back. Colin Delia has been practicing with their taxi squad. They don't even have him practicing with the same group. He's not even dressing as a backup. So it's like they said, oh, we're winning games. Okay. I know we said we're rebuilding this year, but like if we can win as many games as possible, like let's do it. And I feel like if you're a rebuilding team, you still have to consider the development of some of your guys a little, a little more than that. So I, I don't want to say I want to see Ottawa losing more games, but it, it doesn't sit super right with me when I then see them playing Joey Decord over and over and over again. I mean, he's, only, he's only played a couple games now. He's played him consecutively, consecutively though, hasn't he? It he's says played he... the last two or three in a row. Yeah, maybe he played back to back. It says he has he started twice, or may, maybe I'm reading it wrong. I don't know. Hang on. And that when I feel like this is where Vancouver needs to take a bit of that advice because I feel like there's a lot of people in the organization that are still holding on to like, oh, we're only a few points and this and this and this, and it's just the product that they're putting out on the ice. Like they better be happy there aren't any fans in that building paying for what. Oh they're yeah, doing. maybe it's, yeah. it's an embarrassment the way that they're playing and. Yes, it's gotten better now where we have way more moral victories, but those get you exactly zero points in the standings. But why not start bringing up guys like a Jack Rathbone, like a or, um, Brogan Rafferty, like start bringing up these guys in your system. And I know it's a lot different this year with the taxi squad and whichever, but like cycle these guys around. It's just, yeah. I'm sorry, but if someone's playing like dog shit, healthy scratch them. Yeah. Throw them Put in someone from the taxi squad, give them some time, give them some reps, give them some minutes. And I know yeah. that it's a bit, comp it's a bit complicated, especially with the expansion draft coming up, because I think 
Do you guys know this? If you play one game as a pro, that counts as towards your pro season, right? Like I, I get a bit confused because it's unique this year being an expansion I, year. I, I don't remember. I think it's, I think, yeah. If you play 10 games. It, I thought it was that you had to be with the team for a certain number of games, which I, I don't know if the taxi squad. Can. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know the answer to that. So games. I don't, I believe if you play 10 games, like let's say you draft someone, they're playing juniors and then you call them up from juniors and then they play 10 games with you. I think once they play their 10th game, that burns a year off their entry level contract. But if you I think start- it doesn't a normal year, but I thought there was something different with the oh, expansion. Oh, is it different? It, it could be. I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of turn so just confused. in case I'm wrong. But no, you're, you're, so you're there are probably right. things that I don't realize with it being an expansion year, and there are probably reasons, obviously, why they're doing the things they're doing. But I feel like there's got to be a point with the season where you look at it and you say, okay, yes, this sucks that we're only like Calgary's kind of blowing up, like. The, there are a bunch of teams that are kind of falling apart that there should be an opportunity there, but Vancouver just can't, they can't get there. They cannot get there. And like last night when I think it was JT Miller, that scores with like three seconds left going in to the third period at the end of the second period. And you're kind of going like, okay, you've got to do this. You've got to close it out. And they just cannot. And it's, Yep. It's one of those moments where you go, okay, this team just isn't good. Like we've blamed the lotto line. We blame the bottom six. We blame defense, this and this and this. At some point we just need to admit like the team isn't very good. And we get that maybe last year was just a flash in the pan. It sucks because I think a lot of people thought that we roll off the momentum of the bubble into a new season and it only goes up from there. That's not what what's happening. And I think a lot of people need to start being more realistic and say, maybe we need to give some guys that we can a bit more ice time, a bit more minutes because yeah, this is a lost season. It is. Yeah. See what you have. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's, I mean, that's something they're going to have to really start considering because we're, uh, we're getting to the halfway point uh, mm-hmm. or we're past the halfway point or we're, we're close to it. I'm, I think nice. depending on the team, 30. Yeah. It's 30. So we're getting close to it. I think the Canucks have 30 games left, which. Yeah. It's 30. Uh, are they at 25? I, I literally, I have my yeah. NHL app open because I'm eyeballing <laughs> this Coyotes game. They have, uh, they have played 26. So yeah, they have 30 games left. So we're just under the halfway point. So really quick, Kat, bringing you back to the senators. I, I get what you're saying. I don't think they're going to play themselves out of a draft pick. Um, but I don't think they'll play themselves out of a top 10, but I think they'll play themselves. You know, there's no five. way. I don't, I don't think they'll play themselves out of a top five realistically. I mean, who knows the, the, the Rangers finished in 11th and then got the first round. Look at, look at the Red Wings. And then look at yeah. the momentum the Canucks have had. And quite frankly, look at the momentum that some of these other teams have. And when I say have had, I mean, these teams have not had. Look at the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, the Anaheim they're, Ducks. They're not a good team. It did what they always do, where they managed to win a couple good games because of John Gibson playing out of his mind, like balls yeah. to the walls. And then he got tired because it's a condensed season and he had to play more and he's already looking fatigued. He already looks like he's not going, he's going to limp his way to the finish line this year. Um, and the San Jose Sharks, uh, I can see if Ottawa gets, oh my God. Uh, somebody yes. was pointing out that they have two goaltenders with a sub 900 save percentage, which that's, that's not the first time it's been like that for the last three years. Yeah. Um, Martin Jones. I, he has his 
main dryland goaltending consultant with him this year, full time. And he still doesn't seem to get it. And Devin Dubnik, I don't know. He's, yeah. he's looked better. He's the better of the two goalies. Devin Dubnik, who is older and had a chronically ill wife last year and just moved to a new team in a new system, is the better of the two goaltenders. And that mm-hmm. says everything. But like, I well, can... and Joe Thornton is doing a big F you to that team by just casually being a 65 year old point per game player. Yeah. I like, mean, pardon me, Joe. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, I don't love it. I hate the Leafs, but yeah, it's good. <laughs> I do too, Forget but I'm a big Joe Thornton guy. Yeah, I love Joe yeah. Thornton. He's one of, he's, Joe Thornton thing. he's one of, he's one of my favorite players, but um, I see what you're saying, Kat. There's other stinky teams out there that could, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I can see them momentuming their way past some of these teams that are like just I, free falling right I now. I gotcha. I gotcha. What I want to say is though, I love how the senators, whenever they, cause the thing is, I think every team, every fan, all the media for the Northern division, they're like, the senators are going to go. Oh, and 56, they are not going to win a single <laughs> game. And so yes, they, we all said that. When the Senators beat a team, it sends fan bases into an ex- existential crisis. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, when it's they came amazing. back, it's it's so fucking funny. It's so funny <laughs> to watch them come back and, like, see people melt down because your team lost to the Senators. Like, I get it. I, when I was an Islanders fan from, like, 2008 to 2012, watching watching them beat good teams, mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, it's funny. It's really funny. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a nice break for the fan base. I still think they're not a good team, but they have some, like, up-and-coming players or whatever. But it's, like, it was hilarious when they came back down 5-1 against the Leafs. That was amazing. That was, like, as one an of aside, amazing. As yeah. an aside, CJ Woodling, who covers the Anaheim Ducks, uh, he writes for Crash the Pond, used to, he used to manage Anaheim Calling, did a very good job of it. Uh, he just tweeted, the Ducks have dropped eight games in a row. Speaking oh, of that. bad teams. That's, in, that's including, <laughs> that's including like, bad over, teams. overtime loss. Yeah, they are. They are tra- the only reason the Sharks probably won't finish last is because the Ducks are so fucking bad. But oh, are- see, and this is where I look at these teams shit the bed, and I'm like, I wish the Canucks were in the Pacific. <laughs> yeah. have, they usually are. <laughs> I know. They'd be sitting so pretty. Coyotes game, guys. Ten seconds left. Coyotes just beat the Kings. Okay, so Coyotes are moving up. Coyotes, would you like to know the shot differential? More than anything in the world, Kat. Coyotes, Coyotes keep gaslighting on Tiranta, by the way, which I have, I have some very deep thoughts about that for our next podcast. Uh, Was it 42-23? Took, get the fuck out of here. I have it on. I have it on. <laughs> I have it on, too. I just turned Why are it you on. like this? Why are you like this? Jonathan Quick allowed three goals on 23 shots. On Tiranta just faced... 42 shots yeah that's Why like fuck do they keep doing that i wonder what if there are a lot of high percent high, high danger chances though or they just... who cares he's injured all the time and this year he has played in four games he faced 34 shots the first game 43 the second 35 the third 40 the fourth game and then 42 this game that's yeah it's a lot of shots very rude that's um I have a question for you guys, unrelated. Yeah. I thought yeah. we were going to talk about butts. <laughs> when did I say we did? I say it was we, in the group text. We're going to talk about butts. I thought we had some butt news. There's no, I have no butt news. 
Oh, damn it. Did Someone had said we were talking about butts. I thought there was a fun story I was waiting on. It might Never have mind. been me. Let me scroll through our. <laughs> I think it was me just making a offhanded comment because <laughs> you're like, "What are we talking been about?" Hanging on for dear life this whole pod, thinking we were going to talk oh, about wait. butts. You guys want to talk about butts? <laughs> I found the best tweet. Hang on. Wait, ass talking season. I did find something about it. Was it was me? <laughs> Well, Kat, that's what I signed up for. So lead the combo. I had no, no solid. Speaking of butts, uh, we'll take questions from the listeners. Then any butts questions, please tweet us. We do have some. We do have some good questions from the listeners. Speaking of butts, Mike Smith gave us goals today. Oh, <sighs> that was a great segue. I have, I have some really, really strong thoughts about the fact that Mike Smith got a contract this year really strong and they keep they keep trotting him out there i hate it i don't i try not to i try not to make it too like i try not to be too petty about it because mike smith ultimately is wildly inconsistent yeah but when he's on he's on and sometimes that aligns with the playoffs and good for him but he's what 40 if he's not 40 he's 39 and he's been inconsistent for the last two to three years so i don't know why the oilers looked at their depth chart which was made up of a 31 year old miko koskinen and then he's never really played in the nhl yeah if stewart skinner maybe and then do they have anyone else i don't know i i have no idea they, they had no experience in their lineup. And they were like, well, we'll bring in experience. We won't bring in talent, but we'll bring back experience. Here's Mike Smith again, guys. Welcome back. Yeah, he's just... like He looks like he looked like Tiger King in his like <laughs> roster photo for this year. He looks like they dropped him in the middle of like the Saskatchewan t- tundra at the end of the season and said, when you find your way back to us, we'll sign you again. And he came back and was like, guess what, motherfuckers? I made it back. And so they had no choice but to sign him. I feel like I'm not in a place to judge any of that because at any given moment of quarantine, I look like I could just be dropped into yeah, some weird part of Saskatchewan and, and fit right in. All right. I, <laughs> I, fair. I agree. Fair. I agree. I do want to ask, because this is this was this has been argued on Twitter for the past couple of days, hockey Twitter specifically. Okay. Or with the North Division, the Leafs are obviously the best team. They have the best, I think they have the best record and best point percentage in the NHL. Do you think that's, and the people are just going back and forth. People are like, they're just playing a shitty division. The North is the, is the worst division. And people are just saying, no, the Leafs are just that good. What, what do you guys think? I feel so uncomfortable answering that because I Why hate my answer. I think they're doing what they're The Leafs are good. Yeah, they're a good they're team. Good. They're, they're good. good team. I just the thing Austin Matthews shouldn't be able to go down, and then they play the way that they play without yeah, Austin. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. if you look at other teams in the division, if Drysaddle or McDavid goes down, or like if Petey goes down, God forbid, all of these different situations. If you have these players going down, you're going, oh, okay, so you're going to lose until they're back. And Austin Matthews can casually just not show up, and they can beat teams seventy-five to nothing. Yeah, like the Leafs 
are good. They have a lot of guys that we talked about the Vancouver top six. They have a lot of guys in their bottom six that could easily slot into the Canucks top six and make them better instantly. They They are well-rounded. And I worked, so I went to school in Toronto from a kid from BC. So that already was blasphemous moving to Toronto, the center of the universe for Canada, (laughs) because there's a big like West versus Toronto divide. So I like betrayed everyone I've ever met by moving there. And then interned at TSN and like integrated myself into that media landscape. It was awful. And I'm still very deeply triggered by the Leafs. So for me to compliment them in any way physically pains my body. The Leafs are a good team. They're a good team. And I I agree with you. I hate, I hate the Leafs. It's Is it because of the Dear John letter? (laughs) <laughs> it's not because of the dear, dear John. I wrote the Dear John. No, it's I knew you did. I read that in your voice. It's like because they're the most fucking annoying fan. Like, sorry, they're just annoying for a team that hasn't won in a billion years. They're because it's the center of the universe oh, in Canada. Like, Everything comes out of Toronto. It's, yeah. Oh, it's like give me a break. Anyway, they are a great team. They're a very good team, and I. It's just like, it's just crybaby between they're good. No, they're just in a bad division. It's like, oh my God, who cares? They're, if they were losing, you dump on them. They're winning. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Let's see what they do when, I mean, realistically, they should make the conference finals. They should beat any team they play in this division. Easily. The only team that maybe will could give them trouble is, and I credit Kat, because Kat, you picked them to be a playoff team, is the Winnipeg Jets, because I could mm. see a team with a good goalie maybe beating going on a heater and maybe beating them in a seven game series. And I think Winnipeg may have that goalie or maybe Markstrom could do that. But like, I think the flames would really have to get it together, but like the Leafs should absolutely walk into a conference final, how they'll do in a conference. You would think how they, how they do against in a conference final against, you know, any other team from the East central or Pacific. I don't know. Could they beat a Las Vegas? Could they beat a Colorado? Could they even beat a, Boston or whoever comes out of the East, I will see, but they, they're doing, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I feel like if Clefbaum was playing, I feel like Edmonton could give them a run for their money, but without Clefbaum. Yeah. Like, I think that was a huge loss for them. I think it's a bigger loss than I think maybe anticipated and people thought, cause I, I agree with you. That is the, I mean, they're just their best defenseman right now. So Darnell nurse, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I would say so. I yeah. Say. I mean, they really don't. Not, have- not that they would be as good, but in just into, cause I think you're right, Kat. I think Winnipeg could be the team that does give them a run for their money. I think Edmonton would be in that conversation if Clefbaum was playing, but I don't think like, obviously they just didn't, they rail Edmonton like five, one tonight. I, I didn't see six, that. Six one tonight. Six oh, one. cute. Six one. So yeah. I, I, they, like he would have saved five goals. <laughs> Mike Smith, baby. Mike Smith. Yeah, it's just uh they're a good team. They're just annoying. It's just everything about Toronto, the media, their team. It's annoying. So so as someone whose family served as a Leafs billet family. Oh, I'm just kidding. The Leafs are anyone that the people that are Leafs fans are lovely people. People that are um, both families are. I am not a Leafs people. fan. I am not a Leafs fan. You're a but Bruins I'm the fan. So. First person in my family who is not a Leafs fan. Um, and so I have a soft spot for them. Like, I I have a Johnny Bauer figurine in my house. I have a 
I have a Thomas Caberly bobblehead. Oh my like, God. I've got some lace paraphernalia like floating around the house, but I, I think we almost understate how important it is that the Leafs are one of the teams that didn't make a ton of off-season changes. Mm-hmm. In the Reminder. North, there was a lot of shuffling. And I mean, there was, there was Ottawa, which like, whatever. They didn't do a lot of shuffling because they had nothing to shuffle. Um, but then like Montreal, whether right or wrong, they booted out Max Domi. They brought in They Ty made Tifoli. moves. They mm-hmm. did. They made some, some weird shifty moves. Because uh, they, they had money. They did. They did. And, uh, and they brought in Jake Allen which they finally have a backup for Carey Price. Um, I'm never super sure what Winnipeg's done because, like, along with not having an airport, like, I think they also don't have Wi-Fi. So I don't always get their moves. Um, <laughs> so under the radar. But I'm never super sure, like, what they've done to their team. But yeah, they're a team that did some weird things with consistency last year, right? So, and then you have whatever the the flames and the canucks like swapped rosters except the canucks didn't get anything back in the swap they just gave everyone away um but the flames are a burning dumpster fire too and that's that's part of it is i think hurt right who markstrom's hurt isn't he i don't know if he's hurt but he's not playing super well this year i think part of what i had anticipated being okay for the canucks was they had ian clark who whether mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom naturally has the talent or not, and I think he does, a lot of his game was cleaned up with Ian Clark. A yes. lot of it. Yes. And then he's starting to slip a little bit in uh, in Calgary. He has some moments where he looks a little topsy-turvy. And so I had assumed that we'd be seeing like this really good just turnaround for Braden Holtby that would be increasing as the season went on. Like you said, he's kind of not doing super well as the season goes on. And that's a little bit of a surprise, but I assumed it would be one or the other. We'd either see Jacob Markstrom continue to be elite and we'd see some struggles from the Canucks goaltending, but like both of them are struggling. And then Mike Smith is playing a lot of his games super well, but he was hurt for like 90% of the season so far. So he came back and like stormed right in, played incredibly. And then tonight he allowed it looks like six goals on 32 shots uh, posted an eight twelve save percentage. You, you love to see it. Um, I love to see it personally. Should, um, I, I don't know why what's his face didn't pull him after the third goal. Like probably the same reason that we saw and Katie, I don't know if you got to see it. Um, the Jordan Bennington thing, however <sighs> you feel about Jordan Bennington's hissy fit, which I personally, what a blessing that moment was. I loved it. I loved I, it. I don't, I don't love him, which is nope. whatever, but I love his defense. Like, give me more of those. When David Riddick, that like, drama. When he headbutted the locker room door, like, that was hilarious. And then that's basically what Jordan Bennington did. Like, he just threw a tantrum. Good for him. But, like, they pulled him after his fourth goal on 19 shots. At the time that he was pulled, Devin Dubnik had allowed three goals on 16 shots, so not doing a whole lot better. And by the end of the game the blues ended up winning because the guy who came in in relief, uh, Ville Husso allowed two goals on the remaining shots. So they ended up allowing six goals. The sharks never pulled Dubnik like at any point. And he ended up allowing seven goals on like 27 shots. He had like a 600 save percentage. <laughs> and they, they never pulled him. 
And that just baffled me. And then somebody got mad at me for saying that. I was like, you know, it's kind of funny that one of the teams has allowed six goals on 36 shots and they pulled their first guy. Um, but then the other team, which has allowed seven goals on 27 shots, has said, fuck it, our starter's in till he dies. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, well, with context, uh, Jordan Bennington had allowed four on 19 when they pulled him. So that's six goals against two goalies. I was like, that doesn't help your case. You, no. The Sharks goalies allowed <laughs> seven goals. That's, and they didn't, they didn't pull him. I don't know if they just have decided that, like, it's not worth it to try and shift, like, introduce martin jones halfway through a game or mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know i don't know well and you're but- speaking to someone that has a complex with pulling goaltenders in big moments because they kept in roberto luongo for eight goals in the stanley cup final oh my god <laughs> didn't pull was that the last game? Was that game seven no okay so what happened was, is every team won at home until game seven. So Vancouver took the first two at home and then we, they went to Boston first game or game three, four goals. (laughs) Next game, eight goals. (laughs) Count them. And then they, so, and then they won in Vancouver, won in Boston. So if, if the series followed the format, then Vancouver was supposed to win at home in seven. And there was also this weird other stat that I didn't realize that when a team has hosted the Olympics the year before they win the Stanley cup after or something crazy. And then Vancouver made it to the finals because they hosted the Olympics in 2010 and made the finals in 2011. So there was another weird thing where it was like literally every, no, I don't want to say to host the Olympics in like 2022. Cause I don't see the Kings doing that. Hey, maybe they're going to break the trend. Maybe they won't. Kings have a nice prospect pool. They really do. Which yes. Speaking of the sharks, by the way, the sharks are currently being shut out by the avalanche. Um, And Martin Jones has allowed three goals on 29 shots. So I think that's an improvement. For him, the, I think the oh, they just allowed their thirtieth shot, and he didn't allow a goal, so he has a nine hundred save percentage. I think for the first game in like a month and a half, I'm really him. proud of him. Amazing, sweetie, he'd be great. Right. Little golf club, little golf club. They put up a six spot on the abs uh, on Monday. Mm-hmm. So not I, with him and that. No, not I'm with sure, him and that. Sure but I'm, I'm, I wouldn't. I'd be shocked if the Sharks won two games in a row against the abs. I would. Uh, I'd be shocked if. I'd be shocked if the Sharks won two games in a row. <laughs> I'd be <Period>. shocked. <laughs> I mean, they have. I'm looking. They haven't. Yeah, they That's haven't. That's tragic. That's really tragic. Yeah, they're a bad team. Wow. Um, okay, so I guess we all conclude that the Maple Leafs are good. <laughs> Is that? I think so. I think so. It As still much. hurts. Can we press on from that? Because yeah. my whole soul I think, is just I think that now, now we should go should we do Twitter to questions or? our Twitter questions. Yeah. Um, taking a look at those, it looks like 90% of them went to Katie. Um, no one wants to ask. Starting, no I, got, questions. It's I got very few. Yeah. Mine were all, I got need a breakdown of Holtby's death stare technique, which... We did. Yeah, we kind of did. Yeah, we led back. the show with that. We did. Um, we did. Uh, not. I. I told people that if they wanted to hear about my child's fascination for learning TikTok dances instead, they could ask mm. about that. And somebody asked, uh, not knowing what any of the TikTok dances are, I would love to know what Izzy's favorite is. Um, which 
It's not a TikTok dance, but her number one video to watch right now that's not Ninja Turtles or Pokemon is uh, Tom Holland's Umbrella Lip Sync. As she put it, he has the best moves and she wants to learn his moves. So she has to watch his moves over and over (laughs) to get his moves. And she calls them his moves specifically. Like she uses the word moves. What a Um, queen. But as far as the Canucks go, with so much money tied up in bad debts, players aside from Panic <laughs> trading one of the stars, and this I don't think we got to this. What's the next step, Katie? That's from Chris Gear. Oh, see, and that's it's such an interesting question because I just don't know what the answer is because they've pigeonholed that. Like we talked about it so much, they've pigeonholed themselves so much with these bad contracts. I feel like. A week ago, I would have said someone like a Tanner Pearson needs to go or, but Tanner Pearson has zero points in the last, oh God, is it seven games? Like just different situations, like Jake for Tan. And you'd like to think that he could have a moment where he dials in and turns it up. So then he can be trade bait, but instead he steps on the ice and every single thing he does is just a moment of like, oh, okay, here we go. Like it's. I, I wish I had an answer for it. I feel like there are a lot of people in the Vancouver market that are having a lot of these same conversations, most of which we went over earlier, that I just, nobody really knows what the answer is because you have these contracts coming up. And I will make any, if I'm the GM of Vancouver, I'm making every single move in the world except touching Quinn Hughes or Elias Patterson. Because everyone else to me, fine. It would suck to see a lot of those players go. I ideally, like, a Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, like these players that are really, really important. And obviously their contract situations are all different, but those are two players that non-negotiable, you can't touch them, but everyone else outside of that, I feel like should be on the table. And like, but oh, I have so many feelings. The frustrating thing is that, that just they pigeonhole themselves so much with lack of control because you have so much money tied up in players, like we said earlier in your bottom six or players that aren't even playing. That's what's so frustrating is there's just all of this dead cap space that you don't have a lot of room. And I think a lot of it is going to come down to players like the Niels Hoaglanders of the world that they find and are magically making the team a tiny bit better or just less bad because they've just put themselves into such a unique situation of, okay, we expected you to be good. And then hopefully within the next couple of years, you draft well and you maybe trade a few places or pieces in and out and you get a bit better. But instead they did the gigantic dip from last year, right when you have two big contracts coming up on the books. So I don't know what the answer is. I think you got to hope. Somehow the league, they, they allow a buyout or something because of the flat cap, like a, you know how they did whenever you, whenever they come out of a, uh, a lockout, a lockout yeah. not non-compliance, non-compliance yeah. buyout or whatever you can, you still, you still pay the guy or whatever. It just doesn't count doesn't against, count your, against cap. your cap. Yeah. yeah. And I think, but like, go look at Louis Erickson's contract. Well, that's what like I'm some saying. of these I've contracts are seen so it locked in and so tight that like, there's not really a right move. And that's, what's so frustrating with all of this. Is there's a lot of guys where you're going, okay, why don't you buy them out? Why don't you do this, this, and this, and this? Then there are some contracts you look at and go, woof, you virtually have no <laughs> options. He is part of that yeah. day. And I think it was 2016 with that, that, first day of free agency, like Louis Erickson got a huge contract. Kyle Poso got a huge contract. Andy Ladd got a huge contract. Franz Nielsen got a huge contract. Milan Lucic got a huge contract. I'm sure I'm missing someone, but like none of those guys are contributing. 
like not, not he's he's part of that but yeah I mean what's crazy about that is that I remember when Louis Erickson signed and I was kind of sad because he'd been not not as good as he had been in the past but I liked him when he was in Boston and I thought mm-hmm. yeah he was thought, okay. solid I was like they overpaid but at the very least like that's a solid contributor and then mm-hmm. I just remember seeing a screenshot and I don't remember if it was uh Wyatt um Wyatt Orange or if it was Dmitry Filipovich but somebody posted a screenshot and it was Louis Erickson head first in the goal when he had accidentally tried to like pass the puck back to someone with an empty net and then mm-hmm. scored on the team. And yeah, when they were, sure they were like, oh, they were trying to tie, they were trying to tie it. And then he accidentally scored. That happens. And I if feel that like photo isn't a microcosm, that's yeah. I feel for like his that contract. Happened, and he just like, it just broke him. And after that happened, like he hasn't been the same. And he's I don't also, think he got no. concussed. Like I think he just, I think he's it just emotionally a... broke him. He came in, like tried to do something great for his new team, like new school, new friends. I'm going to show him how cool I am. And then I like spill my yellow Gatorade all over my white pants. Yeah. Oh, that's so, a great analogy. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. He, he also has, I think he's, he had a ton of concussion problems before coming to Vancouver too. He had concussion problems before he came to Boston, though. Yeah, and like in Dallas. And as long as you didn't, yeah, as long as you didn't put him in like a really precarious, like Milan Lucic esque type situation, like sure. you never, you would never put him in a position where he'd need to be a power forward. But you could, you could still use him. Like he was still a really good contributor. And then it just seems like like he scored on his own new team, and he just like it broke him. But with the flat cap, normally there would be at least one team. I feel like that could take at least one of those contracts. And I feel like we see teams all over the league this year. Trying to do that. Waving these guys. Yeah. Because like Adam Henrique got waved in Anaheim. Wild. Yeah. Used to be a good contributor. Like wasn't doing super well. Not that the rest of the team is. And they they had to wave him. Tyler Johnson got waved in Tampa Bay. Uh, But he's... got waved there and I don't know if they brought Tyler Johnson back up yeah he's been playing he's I think that was that was just pure because he he's a he's a top nine player and he he I think they for cap space though he was yep he was was no longer a a top line player and they were yeah I mean he just makes too much for yeah but I think he's he's been in the lineup um yeah I don't know it's the flat cap it's going to be interesting I think they're projecting maybe the next two seasons who, who knows? Like, let's say, you know, the way things are heading just in the world, maybe next season we'll have a full, we'll get to have full arenas. Do you, do you think that next would Next season they'll be playing on Mars, so. They'll be playing on Mars? <laughs> yeah. I At think. At this rate, next season they'll be playing on Mars. So. I mean, because they're, I think they're trying, they're going to try to start it in late October or November, I would assume. Um, so if you're able to have, close to full capacity does that change the flat cap situation i i don't know but i think that's what's going to need to happen for a lot of or they're going to have to allow teams to do buyouts because i think a lot of teams are going to be it's not just the canucks i think a lot of teams Mm -hmm. are are going to be in cap hell i think a majority of them majority of these teams so the league's gonna have to figure something out like once things 
you get people back in or whatever. Once, you know, numbers keep going down, maybe that helps. I don't know. Or maybe a new TV deal could help too. Like looking that. back, yeah. Looking back at your dog, by the way, when you glanced back and smiled, uh, to segue, my my all star segues today. Um, Mikey did ask. <laughs> that did just Carl, happen. <laughs> I know. Would Would Carl be interested in starting a ska band with me? Um, yeah. Just I posed the question to him earlier. Um, you'll notice beside Carl, there's a set of bongos. <laughs> um, yeah that's over there Wait, um, hold so on show us those the... bongos again go ahead and show us those bongos <laughs> yeah right beside the chair and Carl. <laughs> that's beautiful um anyways he said that that would be his instrument of choice so if can, you can work i can make that bongos work. into can... the ska band yeah. he is unapologetically in look wow. at him look at you right now carl let's go bro <laughs> Oh my god. He's so handsome. I love him. He's a warm boy sitting by the fire. Yeah, that golden fur. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna make it big. We're gonna be stars. We're bringing back the sky. <laughs> we were also asked uh when is the actual coronation ceremony for Carl? Because somebody did see him wearing a crown earlier. Oh, I meant to reply to that with a photo. You know those um the pet photos that you can get online of your pet in like a king outfit and they you send it away and then they send you a photo back <laughs> does anybody know what i'm talking about mike you're know. nodding i don't know i didn't know it existed but that sounds amazing i will tweet it for you but anyways a girlfriend of mine had this photo of Carl sent away and then had a framed version returned of Carl as basically this beautiful king so I will send you guys a photo. It's so much cuter than I'm making it sound. <laughs> but I'll send you a photo of it. You have to get that framed. It is framed. Oh. It was given to me framed. Oh, shit. Except what I did is within like three days of receiving this beautiful gift, I dropped it and broke it, of course. Oh. So I have to get a new frame what? for King Carl. But I still have the photo. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That rocks. Yeah, that's rocks. kind of amazing. Do we have any more questions or that that was pretty much it? I think um, we gotta end on Carl like that picture. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple requests for us to only talk about Carl today, which uh would have yeah, been more positive than talking about the Canucks for an hour, but yeah, I enjoyed yeah. I, I feel like that was a little cathartic talking about yeah, more chaos questions than answers, but it's been I mean, that's life, right? <laughs> I think we led to more questions than answers of like, what do we do? I'm like, what do we do? Yeah. What, do we do? <laughs> what are any of us? Thank good things? friends. It ain't good. Yeah. All right. So on that note, Katie, thank you for joining us. Thanks Kat, for having me. Happy one somewhere. year to our amazing. It's so crazy that we're the number one podcast in the world. That's like in the world, I, in the world. I can't believe it. Um, but thank you for is that sports podcast or just in general, every, every pocket. It's like, it's, if you look on, I, I don't number know. one podcast about SKAC in Petersburg. No, yes. Sorry. No. Um, my mom the other day, by the way, asked what ska was. She's like, what's ska? And I'm like, ma, ma, <laughs> let me burn you a real big fish CD real quick. Ma doesn't know what ska is. Ma. Oh my God. It's oh like, you God. don't remember me playing that? In my bedroom when I was 15, like if really I was bad. her, I would have blocked it out for yeah. sure. She so. 
she had to deal with a lot of angst all, as well, top of the ska, so. You said, you you say that like she doesn't have to deal with a lot of angst now. That's, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that's true too. And on that it's note- It's 2021, so. Yes. Um, all right, thank you for everyone listening. Uh, we'll, we'll see you or talk to you or whatever to you soon. The legend of the phoenix <laughs> All ends with beginnings What keeps the planet spinning Ah, uh, the force from the beginning